This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Good afternoon to you on another sunny day in Toronto. Fight Back with Libby Snymer is just as much about your phone calls as it is about the newsmakers who are prompting your calls. So as we start today's edition of the show, I want to remind you about a great opportunity to call in, offer your opinion in a passionate or enthusiastic way, and qualify for the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week. Every week, the winner is announced on our Best of Libby's Nimer's Fight Back show, 12.30, Saturday and Sunday afternoons, which I host. And this week's Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week will win a pair of tickets to your choice of shows at the Shaw Festival in Niagara-on-the-Lake. So with that in mind, start calling 416-360-0740 or 1-866-744-740. And this half hour, we're talking about the race for the White House. The big winners of yesterday's New York primary, if you've been listening to the news, then you know were Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Tonight... The race for the Democratic nomination is in the home stretch, and victory is in sight. We're close to 70 percent, and we're going to end at a very high level and get a lot more delegates than anybody projected, even in their wildest imagination. After Tuesday's primary wins for Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton... Are Americans any closer to choosing their nominees for president, or do the runners-up still have a shot? American news anchor, talk show host, and dyed-in-the-wool conservative pundit Paul Paselli joins us to discuss the U.S. political scene. Paul, welcome to Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. Hi, great. Thanks for having me. Hi. Hi. No surprise that Donald Trump took New York in a big way. No, not not really. Um, the the question going into yesterday, Jane, for for the Donald Trump campaign and for Republicans was how many delegates would he get? I mean, all the numbers showed that he would likely get a lot. As I'm looking at the results here, with just a handful of um, uh, uh, like maybe one percent left to report, he took. Uh, 89 delegates, John Kasich only taking three. It looks like Ted Cruz uh, so far has zero. There may be a recount or two. Uh, but um, the, the level of his win did surprise some people uh, with the delegates. So that puts him closer to that 1,237 delegates he would need for a victory at the upcoming convention. Can you do the math for us on that? What exactly does he need and what's the earliest that Trump can clinch or can he he can only clinch clinch at the convention, right? Uh, well, no, he can clinch before the convention. I don't have Jane if you give me a second here. I, I may be able to pull it up, but but um he he can clinch before that. You know, the funny thing is um American conventions really have changed over the decades and Students of history will probably know this. There have been times in American political history where conventions have really been, 
you know, very eventful uh, uh, multi-day gatherings where nobody really knew who the nominee would be. There were the backroom deals, dozens of ballots. But um, in the last couple of decades, uh, you know, probably since the late 60s and early 70s, they, uh, they, they've been, you know, three-day infomercials, apparently, uh, uh, with the delegate count all but wrapped up getting there. So that's what's really focusing a lot of folks on this year's race, is that we do have a chance of Donald Trump not getting the 1,237 delegates. And if that doesn't happen, if he can't amass that 1,237 delegate count on the first ballot, the way the rules work, the delegates are only bound on that first ballot to vote for who they have to vote for. After that, it literally becomes a free-for-all. And this is partly why Trump is accusing the Republican Party from taking the election away from him in advance of the convention. Can you explain for Canadians what he's yeah. talking about exactly? Well, he, and by the way, I did pull up the delegate count here. And just to go back to that quickly, Donald Trump now, uh, I think as of last night, uh, with his totals last night, uh, he has 845 delegates. Ted Cruz has 559 John Kasich has 147. Okay. So there are 734 delegates still available. Now, what Donald Trump is upset with and, and why he's going around saying it's rigged and it's a crooked game, um, uh, there have been Republicans who have said, well, if you kind of really look at the rules, um, yeah, people vote for delegates. But those delegates in various cases might not be bound to actually cast their ballot for the person that was, you know, they're supposed to represent. And Ted Cruz has won a couple of three, a couple of three uh, uh, contests over the past couple of weeks where there's, there's been no voting. And, and, and the Republican officials in various states have simply assigned the delegates to him or, or given them to him. And, and that's what Trump uh, he's really been able to hammer home, and it's, and, and it's funny because even here, people who don't necessarily like Donald Trump or might not vote for him are kind of sitting back and going, wow, I didn't know that party officials could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, So, yeah, apparently the, what happens is, Jane, is each individual state can essentially have its own rules as to how their delegates are, are, are doled out. So it can get very confusing, and, and this is part of the Trump uh, phenomenon on the Republican side and the Bernie Sanders phenomenon on the Democratic side, because um, the Democrats have what are called superdelegates, which are former party leaders, members of Congress currently sitting, um, uh, uh, you know, party bigwigs, the elders, if you will. Well, the only reason that Hillary has a comfortable lead over Bernie Sanders is that the vast majority, I think over 95% of these delegates, are siding with Hillary Clinton. And they were back in 2008 until they shifted all the way to Barack Obama. Right. And so, nobody so he, nobody knows what can happen at a convention more than Hillary Clinton. Well, exactly. And, and you even have people on the Democratic side now, on the far left, saying, wow, maybe folks on the right are, are right about this, that it really is a, a, a 
you know, a rigged game, quote unquote. I do want to switch gears and talk about the Democrats in a second. And we invite your calls as well to talk with Paul Pacelli. He's a conservative pundit in the U.S., also a radio talk show host, a notable radio talk show host in the U.S., and American television commentator, 416-360-0740-1866-740-4740. So Cruz didn't even bother to come out last night. He was he no. was hiding away, and and everybody's laughing at John Kasich's attempt to eat like a New Yorker. Like it really, <laughs> they really weren't part of the scene at all for the New York primary. No, I listen, Ted Cruz. You, you, you may have seen or read uh, read up there. He he really shot himself in the foot politically early on when he talked about New York values. You may have seen it in one of the earlier debates. And he talked about New York values in a very scathing way, saying, well, you know, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, well, those are the values of uber liberals like Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York, or, or, or Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, and this and that. And, and, and then a few seconds later in that debate, Donald Trump, in, in one of the salient moments of his campaign, said, let me tell you about New York values. And he talked about the post-9-11 days and what he saw from you know, average New Yorkers and first responders and police and fire agencies. And, and that really has, yeah, Jane, dogged uh, 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 Ted Cruz. So he steered clear. Yeah, John Kasich doesn't know how to eat pizza. He's not a Northeast guy. <laughs> he's a, he's a very effective in Ohio. And, you know, John Kasich, uh, Jane, he is sticking around because once again, if Donald Trump does not get enough um, uh, uh, votes on that first uh, on that first vote, that first ballot, um, John Kasich is 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 positioning himself as the you know quote unquote the same alternative. Um, he's a Republican. He's been in Congress before. He was in Congress for I think ten or fifteen years at least. He is very popular in Ohio, and to for the Republicans to win, Jane, for them to have a shot in November. Um, most political scientists will tell you that out of Florida, Pennsylvania, and Ohio, the GOP needs two of those three states. And John Kasich is immensely popular in Ohio. I think he's pushing something like 65 or 70 percent popularity. Okay, Paul, the callers are lining up. They want to ask you some questions. We've got Alice from Peterborough on the line. What's your question for Paul Paselli, Alice? Uh, I have um, heard that if Donald Trump does win the Republican nomination. When it goes to convention, the Republicans can put up somebody against him. And that's a, that's a little bit of what we were talking about. Maybe oh. give, give that a further explanation, Paul. Yeah, Alice, uh, yeah, there's been all that um, uh, rumbling. And what happens is that may or may not happen. First of all, what any convention you know does is they set the rules. And there's Technically, there's this Rule 40, which only will allow certain candidates to be considered. It's very convoluted. Um, let me just step back and say this. If Donald Trump does get 1,237 delegates, it would be, some people are saying, political suicide for the Republican Party to try and, by some sort of shenanigans, or backroom dealing, or funny business with the rules, deny him the nomination. People right. I mean, like, that's that's yeah. sort of behavior we would expect in, in Russia, 
Well, yeah, you I know? Mean, you know, and even on, on, on some of my local shows I've done over the past couple of months, I said, folks, you know, this is what we laugh at banana republics for doing. Right. You know, or like you said, Russia. So listen, if he gets the number of delegates, it, it's either you hold, if you're a Republican, you either stay home or you hold your nose and vote for him. We're or coming back. Or, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, or vote for Hillary, which I heard some Republicans may. Right. She's uh, she's bridging the parties, potentially, because of this whole situation with the Republicans. We're back with your calls and more of Paul Paselli, 416-360-0740, 1-866-744-740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host, Jane Brown. Welcome back. We're talking about the results from yesterday's New York primary. Big winning day for Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump and getting uh, analysis this morning, this afternoon from American news anchor, talk show host and conservative pundit Paul Paselli. Paul, we've got Ken from Birkinsfield on the line. Ken, you have a question for Paul? Yeah, I just wanted uh, wondered if you could give us an explanation of what exactly a superdelegate is. Yeah, Ken, it's pretty easy. What a superdelegate is, is um, especially for the Democratic side, the Republicans have them too, but there aren't as many. The Democratic side, a superdelegate is, um, a let's say, uh, they could be a former state party chairman, a former uh, party elder, uh, members of Congress. Most members of Congress right now are sitting superdelegates. So essentially, these are the party elders, and and the and the reason they're there is they're kind of there. Most pundits would say, really, as kind of a buffer to make sure, at least it looks like it, to make sure that uh, if push comes to shove, let's say an insurgent candidate cannot steal a nomination because there are a lot of Democrats who would not like to see Bernie Sanders nominated, which is why Hillary has most of the uh, the vast majority of these superdelegates right now. Now, Paul, uh, Hillary Clinton ran into some speed bumps after her big wins in the past. What does she need to do to ensure that that doesn't happen again in next week's primaries in the Northeast? Yeah, um, um, her performance in, in last night really put Bernie Sanders up against the wall here. He's really backed into a corner now. I think what Hillary has to do is simply run a clean, cautious, uh, upbeat campaign. Um, What happened early on is she wavered from attacking Bernie Sanders one day to then attacking Donald Trump to attacking Republicans. And then Bernie attacked her, and then for three or four days she went back to attacking him. But, you know, to answer your question, she performed very well last night, so... You know, uh, um, it, 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 save for making a major campaign faux pas, she pretty much has this locked up. However, Jane, there is this looming investigation of her emails. And although you have some people saying there's no shot she would get indicted, there are other people saying, well, she may face a lesser charge. That's probably, Jane, the only thing that would really keep her from the nomination right now. But for to have that happen, you would have to have a sitting attorney general of the U.S., Loretta Lynch, agree with the FBI if they gave her evidence that criminal charges are warranted here. 
that would be a that would be a political earthquake that it you would. would put on the top ten list. I mean, can you imagine? Uh, that would be. I mean, I think the odds of something like that happening are almost negligible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who knows? They may go after some of her underlings, or they may come out and say, "Listen, she should have done this, and this was." Uh, bad, and you know she could come out and say, "Well, I've learned from this now, and this will serve me better as president." But you know, short of of them actually indicting her, I don't see anything happening. We're watching with a lot of enthusiasm up here in Canada, and particularly on slow news days here in Canada. And after a day like what happened yesterday in New York, we are really fascinated. We obviously don't have a vote, but you can have a say if you'd like to call in and offer your opinion on what's happening in the U.S. political scene. 416-360-0740, Dennis in Brampton, you have a question or you'd like to add something to the conversation? Uh, Actually, two things. Um, I was going to ask your guest, is it it not the case that Hillary is on the cusp of... um, becoming the presumptive nominee because she is favored in a number of primaries next week as well. But my question for the guest is, in light of the resounding uh, victory for Donald Trump, to what does he attribute his loss uh, in the in his home borough of Manhattan? Well, I think, you know, and it's, it's, thank you for the question, and, and, and I'm well acquainted with Manhattan. I work in New York City three to four days a week. Um, the, the Manhattan Republican, uh, the New York City Republican, well, particularly the Manhattan Republican, is going to be a more liberal Republican, say a, you know, Michael Bloomberg type, when Bloomberg identified himself with a Republican Party, or a John Lindsay type Republican in New York. And that's why Governor Kasich won there. Um, and listen, a lot of the people in Manhattan, you know, probably know Donald Trump. Uh, have a, a, an opinion of him one way or another, and or they may feel that John Kasich is a more palatable "quote unquote" Republican. Um, the real conservative borough in New York City is Staten Island, um, and then there are parts of upstate New York. Once you get out of the metro area, that are pretty conservative. That Donald Trump probably carried. You know, I'm watching Paul yesterday. Americans at the exit polls. Uh, those not in favor of Donald Trump, still at a loss about his plan. And it, it has become a bit of a joke, him always saying he has a plan, but then never talking about it. But that that is a real issue, isn't it? It, it sure is. And that is what worries a lot of people in the Republican Party. And that is why there are still some Republicans who saying, say, look, the guy's got to be stopped. There are some people saying that, saying even if we take the nomination from him, they say, Jane, they say, yeah, he's got his appeal with some blue-collar people and some white male voters, and, uh, uh, but, but he's got to get more specific. Now, maybe he will do that. Who knows? But they are worried that in a one-on-one debate scenario with Hillary Clinton, say what you will about her, she's a very, very smart woman. She's been in the Senate. She's been in the White House, especially with, with foreign policy. She has been a secretary of state. Um, there are people that are cringing as to what a, uh, say, a foreign policy question or a debate between Donald Trump and Hillary would sound like if you're a Republican. Now, can Trump, uh, is he smart enough to take a crash course on all this stuff? Maybe, but there are a lot of people who are worried that not only would he lose, but down ballot he could cost you know, the Republicans a lot of seats in Congress.
And he's not mentioning many of his foreign policy items, we use the term loosely, as much as he was, like with the wall and the foreigners and immigration. There seems to be a little bit less of that now. There, there is a notion, Jane, in fact, that there's a couple of stories in the American media this morning that now that he's getting closer to the actual possibly clinching of the nomination and to a general election, and it's something he's talked about, too, on the campaign trail. He's trying to modulate himself better. You know, he said in one of the hundreds of interviews he's done down here, he said, I'm, I'm doing this the way I'm doing it in the primary situation, because this is a fight. This is a brawl, he said. We started with 17 guys. This is how I have to do this to win. But he's promised that if he gets the nomination and then the general election, he will take a different tone. However... Having said that, he's gone from Lion Ted, that's his nickname for Ted Cruz, and Little Marco for Marco Rubio. The other day, Jane, he rolled out corrupt Hillary. So I can, you can imagine how we'll hear that leading up to, to the general election. That is the theme as it changes. Paul, it has been just a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, you came highly recommended by our morning show co-host, Neil Headley. Oh, yes. <laughs> you and Neil go way back, I understand. Yes, to, to, to one or two radio ranches. Neil is a top-flight guy. Love them all. Absolutely. And where, where can we watch you or, or listen to you as Canadians? Well, uh, I'm not on um, uh, my, my TV career ended about 100 pounds ago and more hair ago. <laughs> okay. But um, my uh, <laughs> no, I'm uh, I'm actually um, uh, I'm a, a news anchor at the WQUN Radio, which is at Quinnipiac University here in Hamden, Connecticut. I host occasional talk shows on WDRC Radio, which is in Hartford, the state capital. And I'm also a news anchor on Fox News Radio National. And you'll join us again. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Folks you. Have my number. Okay, we do have your number now. Paul, thanks for joining us. And, uh, thanks, Jane. Appreciate it. Enjoy thank the you. rest of the race until we talk again. Love to. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was Paul Paselli, American news anchor, talk show host, and conservative pundit, talking about the U.S. political scene here on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back with Libby Snymer. I'm the guest host, Jane Brown, for the next week and a half. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.